0: Hi, my name is Mattia Murray and welcome to The Longer Road. You are on the longer road if you have multiple intersectional identities that are often marginalized. You've had to work harder to get to the starting line, and you might feel behind. I'm here to provide hope, support, and practical tips, and to let you know that you're not alone. Hey, friends. Today's episode is about big feelings, intense emotions. And in particular, how I've been processing feeling safe when I'm having big emotions that maybe in the past did not feel safe for me. There has been a lot going on in the world. I mean, sure, that's always true. But in America alone right now, we have violence against trans people directly and in the legislature. Gun violence is getting worse and worse, abortion access is getting shut down, which is bad for all people with reproductive health needs, and also pretty much all children, because (laughs) unwanted children grow up to be traumatized adults. And I'm still very aware of the war in Ukraine, as well as other conflicts around the world. And in my tiny little home bubble, I'm going through another round of grieving about my cat who died eight months ago, who was with me for basically my entire adult life up until now and the two feral kittens who showed up a month after he died have been spending more time here, which is lovely, but it's really not the same, and so I think that's part of what I'm processing right now. I hear a lot that it's valid to have feelings, or it makes sense to have these feelings, and that is true, but for me, it's much more of a safety issue. I don't really care if a feeling is valid or not, if it feels unsafe to my body, And it can feel unsafe for a lot of reasons. An obvious one is a specific trauma, like if a feeling reminds me of a specific event or person that I don't want to be reminded of and feels triggering. Sometimes it's sensory overwhelm because emotions are a physiological process in the body and it can feel out of control or I just hate the actual physical sensations sometimes. And kind of a step beyond that, if you've ever had meltdowns and or panic attacks, big feelings can feel like the beginning of that, or, you know, in some cases may have even triggered it. And it can be hard to know where that line is. So sometimes it feels safer to just stay away from that altogether and not go there, not let your body have those big feelings. And that's all just internal. That's not even to mention the people around us in the past or currently who might not want us to have big emotions or might have reactions when we feel or express any emotion. A lot of us have been actively punished, mocked or teased for our emotional reactions. So again, it can just feel safer to not go there. Whenever it comes to emotional safety in the body, my approach personally, what I've come to is I never just push through or force it because that's the exact opposite of what the body is looking for when it's looking for safety. Although, of course, if you're with a trained professional, you might choose sometimes to push through in specific ways such as exposure therapy. But when I'm on my own, in my own personal space, doing the processing by myself, I'm overall looking to stay within my window of tolerance and maybe stretch it a bit, but not snap it into hyper arousal. And the other thing I'll add around safety is that if your overall stress level is very high, and again, that's how you feel, right? Not just what's going on in your external life. If you feel stressed a lot, this can kind of go either way for you. You might not want to stretch your window of tolerance because you feel like you're barely hanging on and you don't want to add anything to it. And then on the other hand, sometimes it can feel really good to have a big catharsis, to have a big emotional release of some kind. But it's totally up to you, and I just wanted to kind of add that, that this is not an all-or-nothing, either-or process of feeling big feelings. It's always this gentle back-and-forth, you know, titrating in, understanding what's happening in the body. And if your stress level's really high, that just might not be something you have access to right now or that even seems like a good idea, and that's okay too. So I wrote a list of 10 things I've been doing recently to play with and experiment my own big feelings or sort of handle the big feelings that are coming up, I should say, because they are here. And this is not exactly a how-to because I'm just going to mention a variety of things that I am doing, and they may or may not work for you. But I'm hoping some of them will be useful or give you some ideas of some things that you might try. Number one may sound counterintuitive, but I'm actually letting myself stay more distracted than usual. And this is partly because I am actually busy, like I have a lot of things going on, a lot of projects that I've committed to, and the several things that are in the final stages, uh, including one that I just finished. So this is in part a real thing that's happening. I have things going on. I have distractions built in. But I wanted to mention this because I feel like a lot of the advice around feelings is to do less, make space, and just sit and just feel and feel and feel. And sometimes that works for me. But with these big emotional energies moving through my system, I'm letting myself stay stimulated because that feels good to me. It feels good to me to dive into a special interest or just generally do stuff that's interesting to me reading and learning, playing games, watching TV a little bit, which is something I don't actually do a ton of, but I will do it as a specific distraction thing sometimes. You can be kind to yourself without turning the full spotlight of your attention onto your own emotions. And that's a whole topic, actually, because sometimes being distracted from your own personal problems is actually better for you emotionally than myopic focus on oneself. Number two, when big emotions do come up just naturally, like when they are welling up in my body. And for me, lately, this has mostly been anger and grief, like sadness. I let myself cry if I feel close to crying. Crying is a really simple physical release, and it can actually do quite a bit on its own physiologically. There's some cool research around you have different kinds of tears depending on how you're feeling and there's just this it's so super super interesting so recently i've had a couple of zoom calls where the urge to cry came up one of them i was able to just stay off camera for the rest of the meeting and let myself cry and then you know look as if i'd been crying i didn't want to come back and another one was a safe enough space with a friend that i could just let myself tear up a bit And we weren't even talking about it or actively processing it, but it was just moving through my body. And then of course, if I'm, you know, at home and safe and the urge to cry comes up, I go with it. And something I've been doing a little bit more lately is sometimes I really lean into that and let myself ruminate or look at pictures or videos of my cat and cry longer. That's not always helpful to me in every case, but because I'm in this sort of like larger bubble of processing, like this has been going on for days and days, I know there's more in there to get out, so I may as well help it along. That's kind of how I think of it. Number three, I'm sure this one's pretty obvious, but I am talking to people about what I'm going through. However, I'm not actually doing a lot of big verbal explicit processing around it. It's more like when someone asks me how I am and I feel comfortable with them, I'm just letting them know that I'm emotionally processing a lot and I have found people to be really supportive when I say things like that. I'm not necessarily asking them to you know help me or do anything really active. People do offer sometimes which is lovely but I've found that even just letting people know I'm having a hard time has helped me a lot and I'm thinking back to when I used to get really really depressed a lot. One of the things that would actually make me feel more depressed would be being around other people and just feeling bad. Like being around other people who seem to be feeling okay made me feel worse relatively. So you know now I think being a little more honest about how I'm feeling has been really helpful. Number four, one way that I work a lot with energy in the body is through movement. And usually I would be moving more, I'd be going on more walks and stuff but I've actually had really low energy because both my partner and I were fighting something off for the last week. So I've had low energy, even though I didn't really have any big symptoms. And even within that, I'm still able to do a little bit like remembering to stand up and wiggle around or you know, spin around and you know, move my arms, dance a little bit, just anything that kind of fits in my current energy level and how my body is feeling. That always helps me with big emotions. Number five, I'm being especially kind to myself around my sleep schedule being wonky. This is a thing that happens to me around a lot of transitions. Like, for example, I usually sleep really badly the night before travel. That's just a feature of my brain. That's not a thing that I can just turn off. This is a thing that my brain does. And when I'm having a lot of big emotions, when I'm crying a lot, when I'm processing... Part of that experience for me is just my brain being a little bit more on than usual. It is actively working. This is work and grief is work for the brain. So if I'm having trouble sleeping or if I'm awake in the middle of the night, if I need to take meds to fall asleep, I'm letting myself do that. If I need a nap during the day, I'm doing that. But no matter what it looks like, I'm just being really, really gentle with myself around this being a feature of my particular system that sometimes I have trouble sleeping. Number six is horizontal time, not an innuendo. (laughs) This is something I learned recently that I know neurodivergent nervous systems are often just more activated in general and being horizontal, I just learned, can actually help reset that a bit and help the central nervous system calm down. It does not have to be a nap or sleeping just laying horizontally can be really relaxing. So I've been doing that as well, sometimes with a weighted blanket, if I'm just feeling, again, you know, just to kind of go back to this main idea of letting big emotions move through, there's no one way to do it. The way that you do it that feels good to you and feels safe enough to you is the right way for you right now. And one thing that works really well for me, for example, is being horizontal under a weighted blanket maybe playing a game on my phone or closing my eyes for like two minutes and then waking up and going back to my phone. I'm not trying to like make myself not be on my phone right now. It is a thing that's helping me, significantly helping me emotionally regulate. So horizontal time is definitely one I do recommend specifically if you're neurodivergent. Number seven, I need visual reminders for things, so I'm putting soothing items or fidget items or self-care items in visible places so that I actually remember to use them. Like putting lotion out on my desk so I remember to give myself a little self-massage during the workday or keeping a full glass of water or a water bottle near me. And just remembering that while my brain is doing all this emotional processing it might be extra forgetful. And I need visual reminders at the best of times. So my brain might not automatically think of a soothing thing, especially if that soothing thing is like really small, right? You know, putting lotion on my hands or, you know, giving myself a small self massage is not taking me from a 10 intensity to a one intensity, right? It's not one of those like huge things, but it makes me feel a little bit better and doing that throughout the day is calming and it just kind of helps reset things, you know, a little bit throughout the day. Number eight, I've been asking for help as needed. Easier said than done, but I've been trying, which again is a little different than just telling people what I'm going through. This is specifically asking for something. Number nine is titrating in. Titrating means uh, it's like a medication term of going in a little bit at a time. I'm not trying to do it all at once emotionally. I'm not trying to process all the emotions at once. I'm letting myself feel as much as I need to feel that feels safe enough in the moment and then intentionally coming back out. You can actively dissociate out. And again, that's not automatically a negative term. We're used to thinking of dissociation as the completely leaving the premises of your mind but there's also this positive sense of it of physiologically removing yourself from the stressor emotionally. And that's totally okay to do. To loop back to the first thing I said, it's totally okay to distract yourself when it no longer feels cathartic or useful or safe to be having these big emotions. And then 10, I am as much as I can having as little judgment as possible around the cyclical nature of this, about how much it feels like a roller coaster of emotions. It's okay that it's so cyclical. Grief is not a process that you just move through and it's done, it's, it's non-linear. And so is a lot of trauma healing. And honestly, so were a lot of big emotions like my anger about you know the trans rights and body rights, bodily autonomy, things going on in this country. I don't assume that the cyclical nature of this is a problem. I'm not pathologizing it in myself. I'm just saying, you know, this is where I'm at right now and that's okay. And I love it. That's not my top choice, but it is okay. And I do have an 11th one, which I'm only sharing because I'm really dedicated to being transparent and honest. And I'm talking about not judging myself. And this is something I'm judging myself about a little bit. This one is not particularly adaptive or helpful, but I still wanted to talk about it a little bit. I took a break from drinking, I think from something like basically a couple months around the new year and I loved it. And I was like, oh, I had put on my calendar. I was going to take another long break from drinking. I'm not a problem drinker. I don't have a problem with drinking, but I also get that it's a depressant and it's not really doing anything for me physically, right? There's not really a lot of upside, but what I've been noticing is I'm using all my willpower right now for essentially maintenance tasks because my willpower is super maxed out to just keep up with things. And if I lived alone, honestly, my space would just be an absolute trashy mess right now. And that would be totally fine. But because I live with someone and because my partner really cares about basic cleanliness. I really am not letting the space get to that point. And I'm basically using all of my willpower to do those house tasks. And so I, after a couple of days where I had like had a drink, I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to remove this like drinking break thing from my calendar because it's not happening. And I don't feel like it's worth it to me right now to use that particular willpower for this particular thing even though long term i do feel like probably not drinking much is going to be part of my life because i feel really good when i'm not drinking and the reason i wanted to share this is because part of me is judging myself and it's like why can't you just stick with what you said you were going to do this was on the calendar but for me feeling okay in my body and brain is not just about doing a hundred percent healthy things and avoiding all unhealthy things. And having a drink for a few days in a row really actually helped me get through a big creative project recently. I'm not on ADHD meds and both caffeine and alcohol have some effects that are actually really, really helpful for my brain. And so does marijuana on occasion, although I don't have that as much. And if I were being a perfectionist about this right now, I'd have less energy for higher priorities. So I'm kind of choosing my battles for what my brain can do right now. And yes, it is quite likely that never drinking would help me with my emotional processing because again, it's a depressant, but this is where I'm at right now with what works for me in like feeling okay, not being a perfectionist, trying to be an anti-perfectionist really And I just want to normalize that it's okay to have some sort of ideals or values or big goals that you just don't have capacity for right now. And it is okay to let your body do what it needs to do. I hope hearing some of that was useful for your own processing. Again, it's not a list of suggestions. (laughs) It's just kind of how I'm staying safe around big emotions right now. And whatever you're going through right now, I hope it's helpful Or if at some point in the future, maybe you just kind of put a tag on this to remember to come back. If you're having big emotional processing time, I hope that this episode will be useful for you when you're having big emotions. It's safe to have big emotions, even a lot of them, for a long time. There is nothing wrong with you, especially given the state of the world and you know, what a lot of us are having to do to survive capitalism. And also, if you do feel like your emotions are overwhelming or interfering with your life, or if you want additional support, that's totally fine too. This is not something you have to do by yourself. So I'm including the crisis text hotline in the show notes if you need to reach out to someone. You can also text the word HOME, H-O-M-E, to the number seven four one seven four one to reach a volunteer crisis counselor via text, which I love because you don't have to call someone. That's crisistextline.org or text home to 741-741. Big emotions can be scary. They can be uncomfortable. And honestly, there's not a lot of built-in societal support around them, which is part of why they're so hard, but they can be safe enough to feel and let some of that energy move through and take care of yourself in the meantime. And when they don't feel safe, it's totally okay to distract yourself or seek help. We are gonna be okay. We are gonna be okay. And if you are feeling relatively okay today and you want to help me out with something, I would love to hear from you about your interests and preferences around content because I'm starting a new podcast called Audi HD Flourishing and I'm just looking at everything I have on my plate and figuring out where I'm going to be focusing my energy around content creation. So as a listener, I would love to hear your thoughts if you'd like to share. That link will be in the show notes. And if you don't see the link, if you're listening to this much later than May 2023, that's just because I've taken it out and I've gotten all the answers I need. So thank you so much. And if you want to click through to that, it's totally anonymous, and you're also welcome to leave notes about this show if you have thoughts or questions or things you want me to talk about. I would love to hear from you, and I hope you have a great week. Thanks for listening. If you know someone who would be helped by this podcast, please share it with them. And I'd love to hear your thoughts and suggestions at Mattia at MattiaMarie.com. That's M-A-T-T-I-A at M-A-T-T-I-A M-A-U-R-E-E dot com. Thank you.